Hi, uh, Tim here, and before the podcast, I've got a quick note. Due to rights reasons, the song's been shortened for this podcast. Every song is taken from Def Leppard's Drastic Symphonies with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. All tracks as presented on this album are written by Def Leppard and performed by Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Def Leppard are Rick Savage, Joe Elliott, Rick Allen, Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell. Arrangements are by Eric Gorfan. It was released 19th of May 2023 on the label Universal Music Recordings. Enjoy. Tim's listening party was a lockdown sensation. Unfortunately, it was on Twitter, which you can't listen to. But Absolute Radio has the solution. Tim Burgess explores seminal albums alongside the artists who brought them to life. Absolute Radio presents Tim's Listening Party with Tim Burgess. Hiya, it's Tim Burgess on Absolute Radio, and welcome to another episode of the show in which I sit down with an artist to go through an album, hearing the record and the stories behind it. This episode, I'm joined by one of rock's most successful and enduring bands. They sold over 110 million albums worldwide and were recognised in 2019 by being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As far as classic rock goes, you don't get much more classic than this band. But their ability to play and sell out stadiums across the world, as they will do this summer, is a testament to their continuing appeal and popularity. On their latest album, Drastic Symphonies, they've joined forces with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra to reimagine a collection of their classics. It's Def Leppard's Joe Elliott and Phil Collin, and the album's orchestral arranger, who's worked with everyone from Jimmy Page and Robert Plant to Christina Aguilera to Neil Diamond. It's Eric Goffin. We're talking about the new Def Leppard record with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and it's called Drastic Symphonies. And it's released on the 19th of May. How are you doing? We're Fantastic. Good. We're a bit knackered now. We've been doing this all day and very You're looking great. Night, we, you know? Yeah, we, 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 we scrub up well. We've always scrubbed up well. We still have yeah. makeup on. We do yeah. have makeup on. Yeah, that's why. Otherwise, we look like, you know, Morticia. Yeah. I, I like to bring my own person along with me, you know, for, the, good for this idea. kind of thing. It's a really good but, idea. But, it's like we've always said we look good on the radio, but these days they film everything, so you yeah, actually have yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's, it's No, but it's, you know what? It's, it's really exciting to have this year kind of kick back in the European tour starts proper yeah on uh, on the 22nd of May at Bramall Lane in Sheffield but before then we've got the Drastic Symphonies album release and yeah. we got the the matter that little gig at the lead mill as well and that's for the lead mill isn't it it's yeah too, I love that you gotta do it I suppose the first question really would be how did all this come about you know what was the inspiration for doing this record um, well someone suggested it it was really straightforward okay. we, we were finishing up Diamond Star Halos yeah which you did a listening party for uh, yeah, on, on, uh, on Twitter that Thank was over a year ago and um, someone said from the label suggested this thing they said look Queen are doing it Beach Boys Elvis they do a, an orchestra uh, yeah. you know with their with their songs and we was like well We'd like to do that, but on, we'll only do it if we can have total control. Right. It's like, we're very precious about it and, uh-huh. and all of this. So one of the uh, stipulations that we, we brought our own arranger in, string arranger, and that would be Eric, Eric Gorfan. He'd, he'd um, worked with me on a Tesla album I produced. He worked um, with Joe on, on a bunch of down and out stuff. Yeah, down and out. Yeah. And he did all the stuff on Diamond Star Halos, and he knew Vivian from before that. So he's our guy he's our string arranger yeah and, and so he's, he's kind of like in the band really yeah uh, and so that come out and, and they said yeah okay because we really didn't want to just plonk strings on on our greatest hits it was a, it was a bit gross actually it's like i hate it when bands do did that. you like did you integrity. like re-record everything or did you no like, no we used the original tracks but there's some stuff that yeah. didn't work yeah like the song too late I don't know if you're going to get into that but the vocal was out of context yeah. when you brought the strings in and yeah. got rid of the guitars and the and the drums all of a sudden the vocal's like so where is it it's like whoa calm down and so Joe went in and re-sung it and, and actually re-sung all of it actually there's a harmony bit he did with me on, on the yeah. on the original on Pyromania and, and he phoned up and said can I sing to myself take your one out I'm like yeah and it sounds so great you yeah. know he's actually a way better singer now than he ever was as we all are but uh, it, it, it was a great opportunity to turn to show that off you know so yeah, duetting with myself yeah. 40 years ago I mean that's brilliant like, that's, that's a party yeah, in your head yeah, yeah, you know what I mean <laughs> great fun so you, you know. had all the masters and stuff you know, yeah, we, don't, and, we've got, oh, yeah we had all the multi-tracks yeah 
and we had them all converted into Pro Tools. Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronan, our producer, he's got them all, and he could send them all in stems to Eric to yeah. work strings out. Wow, wow, And we, wow, we had wow, the downtime. You know, we'd finished Diamond Star Halos. Yeah. We were sitting on that for a year yeah, 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 because yeah. we didn't want to yeah. release it into a pandemic. Right, got it. So yeah. it's like, well, then what are we going to do now? And that's when the suggestion came, well, what about this? And I just said, we're not just going to throw some butter on the toast. <laughs> you know, it's like, you've got to dig in deep. So we let, just left it. With it. There was no rush. It's like, well, we're going to need it in t- six hours' time. He could right. take his time, mess with it, whatever. And then because he had the stems, he could pull all the guitars out all together, wow. send us a version of it, and then we'd hear it without the guitars. You go, actually, it doesn't need them. doesn't need them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of re it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the drums. But then, um, you know. So, you know, yeah, we yeah. did re record bits. We totally redid sugar i mean we absolutely turned that yeah. thing on its head wow. and i re-sang too late for love but on wow, the other wow. stuff it was more a case of stripping stuff down yeah. improving the sounds yeah. you know i mean some of the drum sounds from like 1980 whatever they're a bit like oh, but there's, the there's, new, there's new drum processes though uh, yeah. that, that, that you can hear take you know, them out really all nice. together right know? got yeah. you wow or, or, or swap them out for sounds that are a bit more uh, organic yeah, if you like. yeah. which is sister yeah. friendly as well that's yeah. the yeah. other thing yeah that yeah. was the other thing yeah I suppose like the first thing we should do is like go to Turn to Dust. Sure. Track number one. I have a record at home and it's called India's Most Distinguished Musician by Ravi Shankar. Mm-hmm. And I wondered whether that was an inspiration. Was that involved? Was it Ravi so, involved in there? No. Uh, okay. the, the original <laughs> idea come from... I was actually in India and this was in the early 90s. Yeah. And there's a Sarangi player called Ram Narayan. Wow. And, and I wow. heard it in a shop. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's great. I actually bought the CD. Yeah. The song came about, it was about the untouchables or, or Dalit, which is a class or a caste of, of people in India that, that are forgotten. They, they do all the menial jobs and no one talks to them. It's like really weird, actually. So the song was kind of about that. You know, when we started doing slang and, and writing the yeah. thing, it was like, well, what about, I wonder if we could use this sample. So we actually, we sampled the thing, got permission mm-hmm. And everything, and use that. And a guy called Craig Pruis, who done a lot of Bollywood stuff, right. um, he he done the original string arrangement, and it had to have all these kind of Indian strings in. So when we come to do Drastic Symphonies, Joe said, "Well, that's already got strings. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great yeah. to get Eric to do a version of that, uh-huh. and and just add that as the opening track?" So. From that point, Eric just took... Well, the took orchestra it really kicks in, doesn't it? Absolutely, you know, uh, but he re- redone all the strings. He actually rearranged them and, and Well, everything. actually, I, I kind of reorchestrated, so I used a lot of, a lot of what Craig did. Uh-huh. It was kind of like, how am I going to get better than this? He nailed it, you know? But what I did do, that was the one song where I actually rearranged the song. Yes. Because I started it with the strings rather than starting it with the drum loop, I think, mm-hmm. and cut things up, and I knew I was kind of like taking a risk because right. I didn't know if you know how precious it would be, you know, to all you guys. But I, the word came back that you liked it, so it was like <laughs> loved it. Yeah, we are very yeah. precious, actually, <laughs> yeah. but we're not precious enough to turn down yeah. a great idea. You exactly. know, so if somebody says, yeah. "Look, it's like when you give somebody your, your tapes a remix." Yeah, yeah. the good yeah. old days, a twelve-inch yeah. remix or something yeah. like that yeah, for yeah, a club yeah. remix. Yeah. You have you have to trust them, and then when they deliver one, you either go, "Wow, this is great," or you go, "Well, that sucks." Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Luckily, it was great. And there, was, like there was no ego whatsoever. We, yeah, yeah, we would give the tapes to anybody yeah. that said, "Look, just let me try," because at least the worst that can think that can happen is they finish it and we don't like it. Yeah, exactly. But if they do something that we would never have thought to do, mm-hmm. we're like. Well, this is great because it sounds good, and we'll get the credit anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely not opposed to a good idea. And then, and, and then like the you know the the, the drums on there the, were they reprocessed or was that was that from the well, original taken out? Actually, yeah. wow, that's that's wow. the thing because uh, some of the th- stuff works better. You you need to let the orchestra breathe. I mean, yeah. you've got the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. You're not going to just go. Oh, we're going to cover them up. So it, mm-hmm. that we never got precious about that thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a great. We do a lot of backing vocals and, and yeah. sonically. That the sound of backing vocals and strings works beautifully. It's like a choir because yeah. it, it kind of essentially is. We we mm-hmm. do ninety tracks of each harmony, like Paper Sun. That's actually literally what that was. It was yeah. ninety tracks each of, of each <laughs> harmony. Then you tr- oh, yeah. change and do it. Oh, crazy. Yes. But when, when you blend it, it sounds like a real choir. So we were aware of that. So you've got all these brilliant elements that you've never got a chance to do before because yeah. you're a rock band and yeah. you know we were just like and then we're going on tour but we we had time to, for this to percolate and and kind of settle in and then we we were like talking about oh, wouldn't it be great and then Eric was just coming up with these great ideas chopping stuff up leaving stuff out 
making the orchestra work yeah. uh, as opposed to just plonking on a, a bunch of strings on a rock song, which we really didn't want to do. Let's hear the first song from Drastic Symphonies, Turn to Dust. I was going to ask, Beautiful. how did the list come about? You know, how did the list come about? But, uh, but, it was really easy. It's like some work straight away. Yeah. Like the original Sugar didn't. Rock of Ages didn't. Did, oh, because you, you tried Rock of Ages. Did, yeah. yeah and, and, and obviously, let's say... And Photograph? Did you try Photograph? Yeah. Photograph yeah. Work. No. Rocket didn't work. <laughs> and then stuff worked so spectacularly well. Well, maybe, like, maybe they, 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 the originals are the ver- you know, always yeah. going to be the no, they, version. They don't yeah. lend themselves to yeah, it. Like, yeah, saying, yeah. like Love and Eight Collide obviously does. Right. Love Bites, Hysteria. All yeah. of these songs yeah. obviously do. And then something like Paper Sun, which was is probably my favourite on the album. It really kind of like announces the album in a, in, in a way. I mean, the first one obviously kind of, yeah. you know, takes, takes, takes you in. When Paper Sun kicks in, it's like, here we are, you know. Yes. Is the album. One of the, the my goals was if we weren't going to do a complete reinvention of a song, uh-huh. I wanted to write parts that sounded like they had always been there. Right. Yeah. And I, Paper Sun is one of those that I feel like the non string version sounds great. And you wouldn't think about putting strings on right. that, that song because it rocks pretty hard. But I think I put something on there that could have easily have been there originally. And Which is exactly sense. our mind thought when yeah. we were piecing the, the mm-hmm. song list together. It's mm-hmm. like songs that were just lean towards strings, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, yeah, it didn't yeah. take a rocket scientist to go, let's get rocked. No, we didn't even go there. Yeah. It's just, it would be like doing I mean, the laughing no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's not do that. You know, same thing with Rock of Ages. It sounded comical. <laughs> you know, it's, it's marching. It's, it's, it sounded like a military yeah. mar- thing. You know, when you see, you see these footage of North Koreans marching and you hear that kind of music, that's what it sounded like, right. you know? And it's like, well, that well. doesn't really represent us very well, does it? And when so, we got to 15, that was the cutoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. like, oh, we have to. It went pretty quick, yeah. didn't it? It yeah. didn't take as long. A couple of days, and we had it down, you know. Okay, this is the second track from the new album. It's Paper Song. Son on Tim's listening party. Joe, Animal. Yeah, our first British hit. Ten years after we formed, can you believe that? We we formed in August of 77, and that was a hit in June of, of 87. So we were obviously wanted to do that one because it's one of the best vocals I've ever done. I don't know where it came from. Right. I, I wasn't that good a singer, but somehow in, <laughs> in the couple of days that we were in Paris... I just pulled that thing out of a hat. I don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. A performance. Just, yeah. you know, yeah. even more, it was like, yeah. where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> well, so much so that we actually scrapped the original backing track and rewrote it around Joe's vocal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we kept the vocal. And what's interesting about the other version is Eric kind of did that with that. Yeah. He kept the vocal, got rid of the backing track, guitar's yeah. gone, bass gone, drums gone, and yeah. all of a sudden you, you keep this lead vocal, which was like Joe's probably best vocal on that album yeah. you know and just you know repurposed it and re kind of introduced things around it and it just made it beautiful it just kind of all, all of a sudden it had a different thing it's not like we're trying too hard that's yeah. the big problem that we didn't want to do you know because yeah. you can hear it a mile off when people are just trying too hard or they don't give a you know, like, oh, yeah, put the strings on. This wasn't that. It was like, well, what happens? You know, let's listen to the vocal, and, and that's what Eric did. He, it, he, it's a strange mm-hmm. synchronicity, really, on that song, isn't it? Yeah. That that's how the original came about. Yeah. And it just proves... And Mutt Lang was a great tutor as well as a as a producer. Yeah. But we were young and moldable like clay, which was great. We yeah, wanted. yeah, yeah, This yeah. guy had done ACDC, done yeah, Foreigner, yeah. done Boomtown yeah. Rats, yeah. he'd yeah. done... Supercharged, <laughs> you know, City Boy, and all this kind of stuff. 
But he, he showed us the way. And, and the first thing that he did was teach the entire band, which is very difficult when you're a guitar band, that yeah. if the vocal doesn't work, nothing works. Yeah. But luckily, because we all sing, nobody's like isolated from that statement. It's not like yeah. the singer's off on his own again. <laughs> it was, you know, we all sing. So there's you've got to leave breathing space. And the fact that I'd done this vocal that really was a good vocal. Yeah. I mean, it surprised me, you know, and more. <laughs> sure. Well, the, when we got it back, when, we got, when everybody gets to hear this thing, and they're going, actually, the guitars, they just don't work. Yeah. So we kept the vocal and the, and the tempo. They just literally worked out new parts. And lo and behold, we get to 35 years later, whatever it is, 36 years later, we do it again. You do the same Which again. just, it's, yeah. again, it's the common thread of the and vocal is, is king in that situation. Yeah. Work around that and... We just took everything away. A great way to keep learning as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, to be honest, it's almost about, like about an acapella song and, thing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like a song like "Caravan of Love" by um, House Mountains. Paul, House Mountains. Yeah, say Paul Heaton's crowd. Another blade. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's all based around the vocal. You know, yeah. you don't need any instrumentation, and it, it it works well. And if somebody else ever covers that song, they're not going to put instrumentation on it. You know, and that's, no, that's what true. we did there. We just keep the essence of the song, which is the lead vocal. And the backing vocals, of course, there's some great harmonies as well in there. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're a band, so there's going to be a bombastic version, which there is on his theory. Yeah, of course. But it's a much better version than the original that we wrote, oh. and certainly lasted the test of time better, because in 1985, the original backing track that we only wrote a year before sounded so dated. <laughs> but now, the one that we wrote in 1985, you know, was it 38 years later? doesn't sound dated at it's all. Mad, isn't it? it became a classic piece of music, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then Eric's done exactly the same thing. Yeah. And we all know with strings, they really never do get old because that's why people still listen to Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because they're old in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Animal by Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Tell me about this next track. Sugar was the big thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Sav said, let's do M's version of Sugar. Now, M Griner, yeah. a good friend of ours, I met her when she was singing backup for David Bowie in 99. Right. Right. When I met her, Mark Platty, who was Bowie's bass player, said to me, says, dude, you got me this girl. She's a fan by my sister. But she's done this version of Sugar that's just you blow your mind. Yeah. She does it on a piano like Nina Simone. I went, what? <laughs> wow. So she gave me a CD, because that's what you had to do in 1999. <laughs> and um, I played it to these guys a couple of weeks later when we got back together, and I said, you've got to hear this, you know. And it's always stuck with us. It's been like, because, you know, some band just doing sugar is, is like, some band doing Radar Love. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. like, okay, yeah. great, well done. But someone um, doing a completely reimagined yeah, version of it. Yeah, she just totally ch- yeah. turned it upside down, yeah. you know, and it, it's a different song. And once Sav said it, and we just went, oh, oh, yeah, you know. And so I said, well, all I have to do is turn it into a duet. I have to sing it, because she sings it, you see, as well. Yeah. So I just did the lower harmony to her high one, and now we put some strings no, on it's it. A, it's a beautiful version, yeah. It's like, now you've got sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've yeah, got a yeah, version yeah. now that we can actually do something with because mm-hmm. this is not just like a song with strings on that you've heard before. Yeah. This is like, to the untrained ear, a different song altogether. Yeah. You know, it's only mm-hmm. the lyrics. It's literally like taking the lyrics to Purple Rain and shoving them over White Riot. Yeah, it's like yeah, a different yeah, song, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's yeah. a totally different song. Yeah. And it works an absolute treat. Honestly, it's like... This is a stripper anthem. It's a stripper anthem for 40, 36 years. And now it's become... And even the lyric, it's the same lyric, but when you hear it in context, it puts a total different slant on it. It becomes something completely dark, really a lot darker. You know, it's like... It's a bit (laughs) Halloween-ish. But, you know, I, I have to say, it was so brave to try something so radically different with your, you know, biggest hit. 
And yeah. rather than, like you said, rather than just slapping it on there, we did something really, you know, yeah, completely, yeah, completely. But you got to give them a lot of credit, and yeah. no credit goes back twenty oh, yeah. years. But right. um, wow. it's always been sat there. Yeah, it's just like a seed. You know, it's yes, like a manifestation, yeah. isn't yeah. it? You're just waiting for its time. It was yeah. just a excitable utterance, as they'd say in the court of law. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like how, we, how how do you improve on your like biggest, one, you know, one of your you biggest songs to, or your well, most well known? We songs would have ruined like, that song. We yeah, would have turned that song into the laughing gnome. Done the original version with strings. It would have been awful. Beautiful. <laughs> well, I mean, terrible, but beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Take the battle, shake it up, break the bubble, break it up, and pour some sugar on me in the name of love. fourth track on Drastic Symphonies, pour some sugar on me. Anyone want to start on Hysteria? That one, we do that at Soundcheck all the time. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of our favourite songs to play. Everyone can sing it. It's like you get all your balances and everything. And we tried to mimic strings when we done the original thing. You know, right. me and Steve Clark were using ebos on the guitar yeah, yeah, to nice. make it kind of, and track it up, trying to do a, a, a version of Brian May with two guitars and orchestrate yeah. the thing. So... That one, we had no doubt that that would work, and I think when when Eric sent that back straight off the bat, it was like, mm. well, no comment really, because it's, it's this is great. Yeah, this yeah. is this is working. And the solo, oh yeah, was totally removed and played on violins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all done mm. on violins. Nice, because it's a melody. Yeah, it's not just like oh, where's the solo? It's not one of those. It was a completely worked out, structured, written like a lyric, wasn't yeah. it? So he just leans to, he did strings, took the guitars out, mm-hmm. with our permission, even though we didn't know. <laughs> but when, when we all heard it, I mean, you know, if, if the guitarist says, yeah, absolutely, yeah. in fact, demands that you take the guitar off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the, right can, the, song is, the song is boss. And that's the way we've always have to look at everything. The song... Is, is your boss. And like with the middle A, Eric, how did mm-hmm. you come about doing all that? What I wanted to do on the original record, there's a, a like a guitar delay hit that kind of, like a three against yeah. two kind of thing. Yeah. So I just literally scored it out for the violins. And what we did was we had all the violins play the first two notes. Yeah. And then the players closest to the main three microphones uh-huh. in the studio stopped playing and the others played. So it went kind of from center to the outside. So dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. So it had a distance to it, yeah, and uh, a depth to it. So just a production thing that we tried, yeah. But but it, I think it it really worked because it, it sounded yeah. like one you know one orchestra going bam and then yeah. a delay machine going gun gun gun. Yeah. Gun. But we had them actually play it. Wow. Galileo Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was fun to do that because your production with, with Mutt was super interesting at the time, and um, I wanted to try to replicate that with an orchestra and like get actual players to organically yeah. produce those sounds. Was there an inspiration, you know, of a classical folk? There were, actually. What you're talking about, Wichita Lyman, I actually listened to a lot of um, Scott Walker and Walker Brothers records right. to kind of get a lot of ideas. Wow, yeah. Um, uh, like Love, in particular, I thought. Uh, I kind of brought that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. There were some other modern-ish composers uh-huh. that I that I snuck in there. Yeah. Some, some influences. Yeah. Um, like, and uh, it was fun to be able to just yeah. Like, <laughs> he's not going to tell you. Oh, hey, no, he's not going to tell me. Okay, okay. No, no, no look, I didn't steal anything. But no, it was just of course like not. A, but I mean, inspiration. it's inspiration. Yeah. Um, there's a composer named Arvo Part. I like him. And I actually, while I was working on these arrangements, I went to my the first concert after lockdown. I went to see the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Nice. And they played this piece by Part. Yeah. And it had this, um, just this harmony movement. And I was like, I, I, I got to use really, that. Yeah. So I actually got the score and I figured out what intervals he was using. And then I wrote a whole different thing, but using those intervals or using the, that, those chordal intervals. So there were little things like that that I was able to put in and um, unbeknownst to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fine, but, you know. No, 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 I know. I, I think it's just interesting to be able to 
taking all these different worlds, yeah. whether it was straight up Beethoven or whether it was something a little more yeah. modern and yeah. avant-garde. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because what you guys were doing was avant-garde yeah. within the rock sound. And so I thought it was really appropriate to, to use these other influences. It's funny when you talk about classical music, because my, my uncle Norman uh, is a huge <laughs> a classical fan and I try and sort of like spark up a conversation with him and I'll say, what about Philip Glass? And he's like, no, no, no way. <laughs> you know, it's like just too... Minimalist, yeah, but um, but yeah. uh, Purcell yeah. talk okay. about Purcell and he's kind of like, he's, he's all right about that, yeah. You know, actually, on this record, I guess Switch 625 uses a little bit of that, uh, yeah. Kings of the World, the brass sounds of Purcell and that kind of influence. Nice, it's nice, definitely there. Here's Hysteria on Tim's Listening Party. Hysteria from the new album, Drastic Symphonies, on Absolute Radio. It's Tim Burgess here with you. I'm playing back Def Leppard's new album, Drastic Symphonies, a collection of reimagined songs. And I'm joined by Joe Elliott and Phil Collin from the band and arranger Eric Gorfin. Joe, I wanted to ask, can you quickly tell us about your Sheffield? My Sheffield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. how did it all begin? You know, what, 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 <laughs> well, what, what, were, you, what were you up to before, before the massive hit started to happen? You know? Well, my Sheffield probably started on the 23rd of October 1971 when I was right. 12. Yeah. My parents let me go to see T-Rex at the City Hall Amazing. on the Electric Warrior Tour and Jeepster was in the charts at the time. Wow, wow, And wow. that set me up for life. Mark, it's like, wow. once I walked in through the swing doors into the old oval Floating on it must have been amazing, though, doors. to sort of like you know to witness something like that. It, you know? it was it was mad. Yeah. It was compl- I was twelve. It was this big. I'd never seen anything like it. You know, I'd yeah. seen black and white pictures of wh- whatever you know, Ready Steady Go or Top of the Pops yeah. and stuff like that in color. Just come on. I was twelve, so I'd only been into Top of the Pops maybe a year. It was, this was even before Bowie. You yeah. know, because T Rex were it was right, it was Rider White Swan 1970, and then right. then it was Hot Love, and then it was Get It On and yeah. Jeeps and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, my parents let me go. Yeah, I was twelve. Well, God knows how, but thank God they. It's did. mad, isn't it? And that was <laughs> it. I stood there and watched it, and I still remember now seeing Mark Boland on stage and thinking he was a mile away. But it was a city hall. It holds two thousand people. We played there nine years later, wow, and I, wow. when I went down for sound check. I had that moment that I had to yeah, have. I yeah, stood yeah. where Bolin was and looked at where <laughs> I was, and I thought I could spit that far. It, it, it shrunk so much in that wow. year. Totally changed. So that was the beginning of my Sheffield. So I suppose everything like became colour from black and white. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. You know, when when that yeah. was the great thing about Top of the Pops. Yeah, you had to weed through all the tie yellow ribbons, but when Slade or Sweet Bowie yeah. Wizard. T-Rex, Queen came on. Even Susie Quattro, they were fighting each other for who's going to be the brightest, loudest, biggest top hat covered in mirrors, massive platform shoes, band on that week. And it was hilarious for us to watch, (laughs) you know, that and and see, come on, feel the noise. You seem to think that these guys were on every week and they probably weren't. But your memory is that all you remember is, come on, feel the noise, Mama Rock Crazy Now, Starman. Yeah. Metal Guru. Yeah. See My Baby Jive. Um, all the Young Dudes. On a Luchi Boogie. Roll Away to Stone. All that kind of stuff. It, yeah. it, it was, it's ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. We went to the same gigs in two different cities. No. For our entire childhood. So, yeah, you were in it, London, yeah? It didn't yeah. matter whether it was yeah. Wishbone Ash yeah. or Lynn Skinner yeah. or, or Cozy Powell. Cozy Powell. He just went to the wow. Hammersmith and I went to the Central City Hall. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Bowie and Earl's Court led insane. It was awesome. It was like, <laughs> Jesus. I didn't see that one. Bummer. I saw Zeppelin there. And it's yeah. like, man. So ingrained. On... Oh, totally. But it, yeah, it was just such a, uh, an important thing, you know. Next, I'd like to talk about track number six Love Bites. Our only ever number one single. Yeah, in America. In America. Wow. Yeah. 
Another one that you know, a ballad that that's really suited for this. You know, again, as soon as Eric got hold of it, he was like, "Well, he knew exactly what to do." And yeah. and when it come back, it was like, "Yep, that works." That that was a no brainer. And like I said before, with the song selection, when we reached fifteen of them, it was like, well, "Okay, that's enough." There's there's loads more that would have worked. Yeah. You know, if we ever do a drastic two, oh, easy, right? <laughs> easy, yeah. And, and you know, like Die Hard, the Hunter would be awesome. White yeah. Lightning. Oh, yeah. This, this, so tonight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this coming under fire. That's four already, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's right there. You know, there's so many of them we could do. Mm-hmm. Love Bites. The original version is superb. So you're messing with, you yeah. know, you're messing with something that's like that's already like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love Bites. I think we should go into Angels Can't Help You Now. Interesting choice. Yeah. Because it's well, a new one. I know, and I, I really liked it, and I felt that the orchestral arrangement really kind of like led this one, pr- probably more than more than some of the others. Well, this was on Diamond Star Halos, yeah. uh-huh. and so we had just done it about a year earlier, yeah, prior. Yeah. It's a piano-based song, more, more than guitars, I guess you could say. And what was great was to be able to expand what I had done with just just strings on Diamond Star Halo's version and actually add winds and brass and percussion and things like that. And I thought we just we were able to I make was going to ask about the wind, the, the, the wind instruments on, on it. Mm-hmm. What were they? Uh, we used, we had flute, oboe, clarinet, oh. a little bit of bassoon. Yeah, bassoon. Bassoon was a little bassoon. hard to fit into a lot of these songs. <laughs> so, but there were, yeah, that was one of them. You get it in. It's like <laughs> bassoon player and yeah. Jeff Leppard. So, That's uh, quite Roxy, had, was it? Roxy had bassoon. Yes, they did. They yeah, did. they did. I don't think yeah. he did get to use one. Yeah. yeah. Well yeah. spotted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. I can tell you what song it is as well. I can't. I can't, I can't remember. remember. I'm trying to no, think. I, I can't remember the title. But it's a, <laughs> got me around. Got me around town. Anyway. Wow. So, cut to 2020 when we decided to make this album that would become Diamond Silence. When me and Phil got together on the phone and we said, okay, well, what have you got? You know, and he said, well, I've got three. <laughs> and I said, I've got three, but I, I wrote two on the piano. Mm-hmm. Fully expected him to go, well, save them for the next down and out. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, a bravado kind of missing on, but fair play to Phil. He said, well, why not? You know, and as it happens, as I was piecing the, these songs together on my plinky plonky piano playing, I'd actually, because Eric had done strings on the Down and Out album that I did in 2019, I sent him the song and said, you do me a string arrangement on this, because if I'm going to sneak this past the band, <laughs> it's got to be the most finished, full-formed mm. version of the song I could possibly so show they, to everybody. So I did that before the rest of the band heard y- it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So he did a, a string arrangement on the keyboard Yeah. that came back to me, and then I, I embellished that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Once everybody signed off on it and said, yeah, we can do this, that was when Phil broke my heart and said, well, who's going to play the actual piano? (laughs) 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 And lo and behold, I've just been working with Mike Garson. I love Mike Garson. Yes, we love Mike Garson. It's hilarious. hilarious. Our intro to Mike Garson was Aladdin Sane, the album Aladdin Sane, and the track Aladdin Sane specifically. Amazing, and then he, you know, I get to meet him, yeah. and he gets to tell you the stories. That yeah. When he when he first did that solo in the Aladdin Sane, yeah. David went, Mike, what are you doing? He said, if I just wanted that, I could have got anybody. He said, <laughs> I want Mike Garson. So what you hear on the record is entirely one take, second take. Wow. Uh, you know, okay, that's what, you, that's what you, I want to have on guard, Mike. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what we did. I said, I rang Phil. I said, okay, how about Mike Garson? <laughs> yeah. And he was just like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then we run it because he went went to the two of us then it goes band wide yeah. mm-hmm. and I think Sam was like as long as we can rein him in a bit you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a reason yeah but we actually did say to him like give us three versions yeah and he did a very bog standard version yeah. and then he did a a Mike, Mike Carson version yeah. and then he went 
crazy. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So we could use it for a bolus yeah. track or yeah. something like that. Well, we used a lot of that on the we, Drastic Symphony. Yeah, well, that's version. a great yeah, thing yeah, because yeah. we got them in storage, yeah. as it yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Garson's piano just, yeah. again, that would, became part of the orchestra. It changes the entire dynamic of the song. Yeah. And it makes you realize. Because, you know, I'm thinking, well, piano's fine. That's what Lennon did. It was fine. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, well, if Rick Wakeman hadn't played on Life on Mars, it wouldn't have been Life on Mars, exactly. as we know it. Exactly. So, absolutely fair play. It was the right thing to do. I'm, then, that, that's, you know, I'm so glad you used mine. Yeah. So, Garson was a great addition. The yeah. strings were mm-hmm. a great addition. But it, the fact that it was written on a piano is something that we were, again, like using strings is something that rock bands always kind of maybe shy away from. Yeah. But that lockdown changed our whole it yeah. changed our DNA yeah 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 and we, we were like no you know what you write a song he wrote a song on a ukulele yeah <laughs> yeah it wasn't when I'm cleaning windows no it was more Zeppelin tree we've so far stretched our wings now with yeah. Diamond Silos yeah. and now yeah, with yeah, Drastic yeah. Symphonies yeah. that we can literally go everywhere that Queen went yeah. and that's the blueprint that we've always wanted but we've always been a little reluctant to really just jump off the cliff yeah because it looks a long way down it's like mm. you know what exhilarating to do it it really was here's angels can't help you now on tim's listening party Angels can't help you now on Absolute Radio. What's the most intimidating then, playing in front of like huge stadiums or walking into an orchestra? It depends who you're asked, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you. Know, you. you know, we would love to do this live yeah, at yeah. some point because it's just a different dimension that, that you don't usually get. And it's like, you know, you've done everything. You've played everything. We're a rock band, blah, 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 all of that. But there's a dynamic, there's a feel that when, when you bring everything down, it's just that you have to be a part of that. You become immersed in it. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I would love to do it. We all would. We're yeah. all like, wow, this is great. Wow. So we can't wait to do that whenever that is. But not intimidated. It's excited. Yeah. We're, we're thrilled. And, yeah. and like I said, it's... It's always good to have a little bit When we walk on stage yeah. in, a, in a stadium, Atlanta, the first gig, our first gig in three years, yeah. 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 we went on stage in front of 52,000 people and it's like just getting back on a, on a bike. Yeah. Walking into a room with people that can read music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm. They're probably all smiling going, <laughs> you know. But, but they weren't. No, they weren't. They, 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 they were appreciate. But with a track like Hysteria, I've done one of these uh, listening passes with uh, Edge and, and we spoke about his U2 song, One. You know, how do you, how do you redo that? Because they, they, they've done an album where they've stripped it all back yeah. and, and, and start, start, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. songs. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, but starting again, I suppose, with, with One, uh, who'd been, who'd been covered by Johnny Cash and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's probably their it's best a, record, might be their best record, you know, phenomenal song, record. How yeah. do you, with a track like Hysteria, tell us all, how would you start again with that, really? Well, you, you listen to the original yeah. and you just, listen to what you can pull off it yeah without affecting it too badly something like one by you two is really not a lot to pull off right. i mean it's got a great guitar mm-hmm. lick it's got a fantastic melody a great lyric yeah and the rest of it is pretty minimalistic yeah with hysteria there are 11 <laughs> orchestrated guitar parts yeah which they had to figure out when we first started playing it live, <laughs> which prominent two, two are the most important. Got Every you. 10, got 15 you. seconds, you've got to pick a different one. And we always made it work. It never yeah. sounded like it was missing anything. Yeah. So it was obviously written in such a way that everything that we did over the main bits that people might whistle in the shower was orchestration. Yeah. So what we were doing was swapping out guitar parts for mm-hmm. violins. Mm-hmm. So we'd pull out an ebo and it would be a cello and pull yeah. out a different ebo and it would be a viola. Yeah, and there's harm, quite a lot of harmony. And it's more stuff, like a swap yeah. out yeah. Than, a, than a rebuild. Got you. But Got I think you. the main thing that we learned from Matt Lang is is to not be gratuitous. Even though there's loads of stuff on it, like yeah. Queen stuff, they're never gratuitous. But we, we've heard a lot of bands, they do gratuitous backing vocals where you can't even hear the melody because it's just harmonies. Yeah. You know, well, hang on a minute, what's he supposed to be singing? 
It's, it's that kind of... We've never done that, and we learned that from Mutt. It's like everything... So even if there's like 11 different guitar parts going off, yeah. they count. Yeah, one's ryth- rhythmic, one's a melody, one's a, a canon, a counter, all these different things, and they all work together, and they're supposed to enhance the song. And I think that's what happens with strings as well. Yeah, it's yeah. an enhancement of something that you've already got there. And if you can do it and you're not gratuitous, then it's golden. And I think that's what happened here. Yeah, got you. Because there was so much talked about with the hysteria when it came out. You know, there's like, how many guitar parts were on it? Yeah. Like I remember when it came out, it was like, everyone was like, what? You know, it's like... And, and to get the multi-tracks, <laughs> yeah. from a fan point of view, to get yeah. the multi-tracks and hear how you guys built those tracks was fascinating. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I... I I would spend hours just like solo. <laughs> we spent hours doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. years. Exactly. Yeah. It, was yeah. The, it was the eighties. Yeah, and what you had in the eighties was about every three weeks somebody go, "There's a Synclavier two out." Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. A yeah, yeah. Two A, yeah. and it was like cell phones. Now you just buy a new one, and then they bring out another one. It's yeah. like I just bought this. You know? Yeah, and we would see this stuff, and we would play with it. You know, I've been read all the articles or seen the documentaries about the Beatles using Abbey Road as an instrument. Of course, I, I get it. We yeah. would say to Mutt, like, you know, we were always fans of all the backwards stuff. Yeah. You know, like, well, I remember when I first heard Whole Lot of Love and went, how is that echo before he sings the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes, and they go, and it's, it's backwards. So, well, they turn the tapes backwards, yeah. recorded the echo, then put them the right way around so the echo came before the signal. Yeah. Ah, smart. Mm-hmm. Then that's what they'd have to do. And it'd take for hours. And then when the Synclavier came along, it just had a button that said reverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we spent weeks yeah. going down avenues yeah. to try things. Yeah. And then go, nah, yeah. scrap yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. I remember one time when we were in Whistlelord doing hysteria, <laughs> I buggered off to Amsterdam for the day. I don't know what I was doing. For an hour or two, actually. And... By the time I came back, you guys had written all that middle bit of Rocket, huh? which at the time didn't oh, exist. Right. We, it was, we had the chorus, we had an idea, for, but then they put this middle eight in, which was like a, a Star Wars 21st century version of the middle bit of A Lot of Love, which was yeah. just Robert, you know, yeah. making grunting sounds, and Bonham on a ride cymbal. Yeah. But we'd got this noise, and it was like monks chanting. And all what it was, it was a, a certain word from whatever song, sampled and taken down about three octaves, yeah. and played as a, as a spin sample. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, created yeah. this uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of sound yeah, yeah. that we built guitars over, and it was like nobody had ever done anything like this. And when sound you hear it on the headphones, yeah, you know, it was us trying to recreate the excitement that we discovered when we heard Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. When we heard like Relax and Two Tribes yeah. and Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Yeah. Trevor Horn. Yeah. Was was our favorite n- producer we didn't use. And we would be listening to this lot. Oh, and yeah. the noises and the, the the way that they did things. We wanted to try and emulate some of that excitement into the field of hard rock. Pyromania came about because we'd been listening to the Human League. Yeah. Electric Sheffield, drums. Yeah. Electric drums. New order, humanly. Yeah. We Mutt said, we can do this. And it changed the face of rock. Yeah. Of our kind of rock, because everybody else just was recording a band in the corner. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we, were, yeah. we did the drums last on Pyromania. Yeah. We played to a crappy little drum Horrible, machine. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. And drum. then, when all the guitars were done all in time and all the vocals, then we, the drums were on so they didn't get in the way of the vocals and all that kind of stuff. And then we took that to the next level with hysteria and yeah. it was it was a fascinating thing using all that you know new technology and yeah. then you know lo and behold we get to 2022 20, 23 and we're using it but we're using it in a very analog way these days yeah because yeah. we want everything to sound a bit more real yeah and luckily on drastic symphonies we've got real strings yeah we could have used the fake <laughs> it wouldn't have been as good would it no it would yeah. not have been as good the next song is bringing on the heartbreak okay. That was bringing on the heartbreak. That was a crazy thing. When we all flew to London last February 2022, mm-hmm. we went into the studio in Abbey Road yeah. and watched Eric 
doing his thing, you know. Mm. He's out in the control room. Robert mm. Ziegler yeah. was out in the room, the, uh-huh. the big room, the right. Beatles room. Right, yeah. brilliant, yeah. And we were up on the balcony watching it and filming it like little kids, you know, because they mm. were doing their thing to our songs. And it was a year ago, you know. But, yeah. but we, we'd done all the work prior to that, maybe three, four, five months we'd been just nibbling away and li- mm. living with them. You know, like what it's like when you're making a record. Yeah. It's everything's on the clock. Yeah. A&R mm-hmm. Man needs a single. You've got three weeks and you've got no money. <laughs> and you're supposed to make, you know, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. It's like, nobody can do that under that kind of pressure. We didn't have that. We didn't have it for Diamond Star Halos. Wow, and we wow, certainly wow. weren't going to have it for this. We're yeah, going to yeah. be done when it's done. And so you can sit on an arrangement for a week mm-hmm. and then go... Something's niggling at me, mm-hmm. or no, I'm convinced it's perfect. That was a beautiful thing about it. Mm-hmm. No constraints. I had to ask, do you two read music at all? No. No, I read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what does it feel like when you, you know, all of a sudden walk into an orchestra, you know, and you can... Musician. <laughs> yeah. Humble. <laughs> yeah, humble, but it's a different thing, you know. We are artists, I'll, I'll give us that. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're absolutely course. artists, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and there's, there's a big difference between a musician, an artist, and a performer. Yeah. I'm not so much a musician, but I'm definitely a performer and yeah, definitely yeah, an yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah. So we write those things. Sometimes people get confused at what their role is. We, we're not confused about our roles. We definitely, we get on stage, like I've always said, we've got avatars that do this. That's almost <laughs> like method acting on stage. But then you, you have this uh, artist thing, and, and we, we're huge fans of Bowie. Yeah. And, and just yeah. growing up, and, and some artists that we uh, love, and not necessarily just music artists, but there's a. And like Ken a, Scott arrangements. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Who we'll yeah, see yeah. tomorrow, yeah. actually. Wow. And, uh, wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. So uh, all, all <laughs> of that, and, and it's, it's, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, so there's yeah. a. There's an integrity to it. Of course. So all of these things, um, w- when you actually go and use an orchestra, yeah. you're aware of their role. Where they're, they're just brilliant musicians, and so, you know someone like Eric has to make yeah. sure that this is going to work. And because and that's a big thing, sometimes yeah. it doesn't work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. You know something like yeah. it's, it's too staccato. It's yeah, not. Yeah. You that needs to be legato, and it's written down a certain way. And all of yeah. a sudden, and we're fascinated by watching this. I mean, today, yeah. like going and Eric's going. Well, maybe just. Make that a little bit lazier, and, and, and on bar sixty-seven, you got to do all this stuff, and yeah. we're sitting there going, Whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what doesn't go over your head is yeah. when you hear the finished article in a certain song, and yeah. it just doesn't matter what kind of music that you're kind of weaned on. Yeah, you know, like we'd be the first to go, Phil, play White Riot, will you please? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, anything yeah. off the first Clash yeah. record or the Pistols yeah. record. Yeah. But then Wichita Lineman comes on by Glen Campbell, and you just melt. Into of course, I mean, it's, it's all there for everyone, isn't it? You know, and, I, mean, I, like, I like it all as well. Yeah. You, know? you mean, hear the string yeah. arrangement on Wichita Lineman. Yeah. You hear the string arrangement, I'm going to shoot myself in the head right now. Mm-hmm. You, you hear the string arrangement on Bobby Goldsworth's Some of the First Time. It makes the hairs on my arms stand up. You know, and it's not the kind of music I would normally listen to, but I appreciate how stunning it can be when it's used correctly yeah you know and that's what we wanted every song to either have that which it's alignment effect or yeah. it had to sound like a james bond car chase <laughs> well you've done it john barry yeah. you know all that yeah. glorious yeah oomph to it yeah, that's yeah. There's, like, there, there's certainly some uh, that, could, that kind of rem- had the, the right john barry kind of, of like that yeah of course you know I mean? and one of the greatest in fairness to you mm-hmm. is switch 625 which mm. is an instrumental yeah piece yeah, yeah. I've, I've, that, that, that's um Glued onto the end of Bring On The Heartbreak. It's from the 1981 album, High and Dry. The strings on that are... Absolutely, I, th- I think I made a note oh, of that one. Stunning, ninety baggy vocals. Yeah, no, I, I, I just put, uh, I just put, it's got a real James Bond feeling about it, and then a symphonic lead guitar. I don't even know what that means, but it's like when the lead kicks in, it's just yeah. like mind blowing, you know. Well, uh, the guitar theme all the way through it yeah. is, it, it's that's exactly what it, it's yeah. a theme. It's yeah. a theme like the yeah. Peter Gunn theme, or yeah. oh, you know, yeah. any of these kind oh, of things, Gunn. like a heavy rock version of Dwayne Eddy, <laughs> or something that's like you know those guitar licks. Of, you know, down, 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 down. Yeah, it's yeah. just in your head forever. Oh, yeah, forever, yeah. The lead guitar yeah. bits on yeah. Switch aren't lead guitar, they're themes. Yeah. Like the beginning of all yeah. the young dudes. Yeah. They're themes, you know, they're yeah. melodies that you'd play on strings. So 
to leave them in but put strings around I'm glad you mentioned all, all, all the young dudes get some mott in there you yeah know? I did get, you know just, just <laughs> I, I own Verdon Allen's organ do you I bought it from an auction about a year ago so. tell me first more thing tell was me I more. pieced it together the other day <laughs> first thing I played on it all the young dudes We've and got then I went with wow. White Shade of Pale just We've, because I could you yeah. went the White Shade of Pale or you played no, I, <laughs> no but it is Switch is so beautifully Amazing. you know just symphonic and that was the whole thing. Everything had to sound symphonic. You know, we've touched on uh, Tur to Dust. Yeah. And there's, there's a... Sab wrote this song called uh, Kings of the World, which is kind of like his homage to Queen. Uh-huh. And it was a very symphonic song, but all done on guitar. Yeah. This morning, we, ha- we had to get up super early, and I needed to wake up, so I started just shuffling through Def Leppard songs on my, on my phone. And the original version of Kings of the World came on, and I thought, I want to hear our drastic version. I put it on and it was like, yeah, these should have been there at the, yes. you know, at the beginning. Wow, wow. No, no offense. should have been there a it's the reverse different... of when you do the strings on a song and then you have to play it live afterwards yeah, right. yeah. and you haven't got a keyboard player that sounds like an orchestra <laughs> yeah. and there's no strings you know yeah. we've all been there and it's like there's something missing yeah. Yeah. but it finally found a home this I think this is really how it was supposed to sound mm-hmm. I think this is track number 12 on Drastic Symphonies and it's Switch 65 Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra with Switch 65 on Absolute Radio. I mean, I wanted to talk about Too Late for Love. So, Too Late for Love, when we first heard the demo strings, there was a... Vi- was it's it a, a cello playing it's a cello, the guitar part. Yeah. cello yeah. playing uh-huh. the guitar part. Yeah. And it was so reminiscent of Penny Dreadful. I don't know if you ever watched that series. It's just, you know, fantastic, know. like, kind of Victorian-esque... Yes. haunting strings that makes it sound like the album cover it looks like you're in a broken down building with werewolves <laughs> going around the back and you know Dracula sat in the corner having a pint with Frankenstein it was just that kind of vibe wow. and I, I don't know where that came from sorry I have no idea I like it so as you're hearing the string playing what was the guitar part when the original vocal that I sang in 92 comes in it literally sounded like you know somebody shouting it was so bombastic and out of, out of context. It's like, oh, God. You, and instantly you think it's not working, but then you're like, but I love this intro, it's so brilliant. And then all of the penny drops, you go, re-sing it. <laughs> yeah. Re-sing it in a different voice. So nice. I did. I got my laptop out, yeah. microphone that I do my radio show on, mm-hmm. plugged it all up. Ronan sent me a, a breakdown of the track, and I just sang it until I was com- I think it's four or five takes of it yeah. and sent them to Ronan wow. who was our engineer who you know composites a performance together out of it and it then sat nicely with the strings because it's it, the original vocal absolutely did not specifically the second verse when it goes up like an octave higher and I'm mm-hmm. doing full on Robert Plant <laughs> so it was all sung down and then when we get to the very end part on the original version it's a two part that me yeah. and Phil sing and this is where it got interesting. I Because he sang one harmony on the record, but when we do it live, we swap, and I do it. So I instantly started singing the wrong one, which was the harmony, and I realised I was harmonising with myself in <laughs> 1982. I went, whoa, this is weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I rang him and said, listen, I know this is a bit weird, but can I take you out and let me do it? Because I just accidentally did it, and it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, yeah, fine, no problem. So it's me when I was 22 singing with me as a 62-year-old. I love that. Again, yeah. a bit of a head party, but a good one, you know, because it, it came back pretty quick. Yeah. You know, I, I listened to it a couple of times, sang along with it, and went, oh, it's just like getting on a bike. <laughs> All the phrasing was in my DNA. It had just gone to sleep for 40 years. Mm-hmm. It just came back, like just literally like coming out of a coma. 
I mean, it was spine the first time I heard it when when Ronan sent it over. I mean, again, as a fan, yeah, it was that that moment was it's one of my favorite moments on the record. Yeah. She's acting pretty cool, but when it comes to playing life, she always plays a fool. But it's too late, too late, it's too late, too late for love. Too late, it's too late, too late, too late. Too late for love from Def Leppard's new album, Drastic Symphonies. We're coming to the end of the album, and sadly that means we're coming to the end of the show. But before we do, can we talk about When Love and Hate Collide? When Love and Hate Collide is musically it's a Rick Savage song that was written in 1989 when yeah. we were trying to follow up Hysteria. Yeah. And You sang this with uh, Taylor Swift, right? Love and Hate Collide was one of about five ballads that we'd written. Wow. There was just so many. There was Tonight, there was Have You Ever. Have you ever yeah. There was Two Steps Behind, which got elbowed into an acoustic song anyway mm. and there was Love and Hate Collide yeah. it was just one song too many so he got finished he got written we got Stevie Lang in Mutzek's wife mm-hmm. who sang that Lamar ad mm-hmm. you might remember hell of a voice she did all the Without You backing vocals it was very well presented as a demo Michael but came in my, yeah eventually mm-hmm. but I mean yeah. just the original demo mm-hmm. and we elbowed it we did Adrenalize it is what it is and then we did Slang yeah. which was us dumping all our Def Leppard sounds for a more 90s thing. But right in the middle of recording slang, the record company said they wanted to put out a Grady Stitz. Could they have one new song? Yeah. So we played them everything off slang, and it it was like listening to a Nirvana recording comparison (laughs) to our stuff. You know, they're going, it doesn't really fit. I don't know who said, Sav probably said, well, we do have this song that we never did. And we played Love and Hate Collide to the then guy, the boss at the label. And he had kittens. Wow. You know, he's like, wow. I need it in 10 days. Yeah. So on the original version, we were at Phil's place in California. They were all downstairs with ADATs, if you remember. Yeah, them, I do. Yeah. Recording yeah. on ADATs. Crazy. Yeah. Banging <laughs> it. And as soon as there was anything that resembled a bit of timing and tuning, it went up to my ADAT in his wardrobe, walking wardrobe, to start singing it and engineering the vocal myself. Because we wow. wouldn't have had time wow. to wait. And wow. then I'd have been like, you've got 20 minutes to sing it. I wanted to get on with it because it's, it's a you know it's going to be an important song, a new song on our greatest hits album. So I'm upstairs. It, this, we've got duvets and puffer coats shoved <laughs> on every shelf to deaden the sound. Oh yeah, I'm sat on there with this. People don't realise you know that this is a massive effort. the instruction you know? <laughs> manual, I had to punch in and out and stuff like that, and engineering my own vocals God. while they're doing guitars, and we got it done, and it became our biggest hit in Europe. Didn't yeah. it? it was huge, number one in Ireland. Hey. Number two over here. Even got, I guess, a reluctant pat on the back from Liam Gallagher in the toilets at the uh, <laughs> fashion show in Ireland. We were both having a pee. <laughs> and he goes, All right, Def Leppard. <laughs> Says, uh, Nice comeback. <laughs> or worse to that effect. You know, oh, it was quite funny. Sweet. Really. Yeah. So that was the original version. And again, as, as Phil says with the like, love bites, yeah. when it comes to giving it to Eric, it would already had a string arrangement that Cayman had done. Yeah. So it was a case of making something that complements the original, yeah. mm-hmm. but Beautiful. elevates it. And it's, so it's not just like, oh, it's just the vault version stuck on Drastic Symphonies. It is obviously different. If you play them back to back, they don't really no. sound alike at all. No. Phil, I wanted to ask, what next? So, yeah, what's next? <laughs> what's well, next, yeah. So, we're on tour, obviously, till the end of the year. Um, Great. With this, we've got album coming out, book coming out tour, European tour, you know, finish the rest of the world. And we had some stuff left over from um, Diamond Star Halos, which we never have. Like Joe said, you know, we've got a few of these tracks sitting around. So um, we'd like to record the same way as we did that, Diamond Star Halos. And and now we've got a, a fresh bow in our, what do you call it? You know what I mean? Um, in, yeah, quiver in yeah, our... Quiver in, quiver in, in your bow. Quiver in your bow bag. Which is the string. So it's wide open, you know, and yeah. as Joe mentioned, you know, th- this was so much fun. And as, a, as an artist, you go, wow, finally, after 40 years, we, we get to do this. Yeah. This is so, so much fun. fun. Well, on that note, <laughs> I'd like to say thanks a million. Thank and you, uh, Thank you, you know, for thanks for dropping by and um, really fascinating stuff. Thanks, Bob. And I love the man. album. Appreciate and it. Uh, take care. Yeah, man. Thank you. And let's finish this listening party with When Love and Hate 
kind. That was Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra with When Love and Hate Collide. Thanks to Joe Elliott, Phil Collin and Eric Gorfin for joining me on this episode of Tim's Listening Party to tell me about Drastic Symphonies. I always like to finish every episode of my listening party by letting you know what else I've been listening to this past week. And seeing as we've been speaking to Def Leppard, I'd like to pick some songs or albums by bands from Sheffield. Who would they be, you may ask? Well, the first one is Cabaret Voltaire. I don't know which album, because I listen to them all the time, but let's just go for the track Nag Nag Nag. And those lovable rogues, the Arctic Monkeys. And Love Action, or The Whole of Dare, because I I really love that album by Human League. And, of course, you know, uh, it wouldn't be Sheffield without Sheffield favourites, Pulp. And, yeah, different class. Every song in this episode of my listening party was taken from Def Leppard's Drastic Symphonies with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. All tracks as presented on this album are written by Def Leppard and performed by Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Def Leppard are Rick Savage, Joe Elliott, Rick Allen, Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell. Arrangements are by Eric Gorfin. The album was released on the Universal Music Recordings label... See you next time. Absolute Radio. Telling the story behind another iconic album with Tim Burgess. Get involved using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party.